Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including kicker smart trainers, element bike computers, and ticker heart rate monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. One of these weeks, I'm going to have the theme song or the the We Are the Champions song like queued up and ready to go for you to like intro you personally after a big win. Congratulations. I am so excited you made it back from Barrel Oche in time to chat with me this week. Thank you for doing that. And just congratulations. I'm so excited. Oh, thank you, Alyssa. Yes, I, I thought my biggest mistake was was actually leaving Bariloche like the day after the race because it was such a fantastic race venue that I was like, I really wanted to stay. But the perk is I'm back. I get to chat with you and get to tell everyone about the race on the podcast. But anyway, I did race, if anyone isn't aware, I raced Ironman 70.3 Bariloche, which is in Argentina. It's in Southern, kind of like the Southern part of, or not super far South, but South of Buenos Aires and kind of on the border with Chile. So it's in the Patagonia region of Argentina. So just a really cool part of the world. It was spectacularly beautiful. And if anyone listened to this pod, you know, us, our episode a year ago, we interviewed Romy Palacio Blaina, who's an Argentinian pro. She talked about the race and it got me, you know, really excited. She talked about how beautiful it was, how hard it was, how hilly it was, and all of those things. I was like, okay, sign me up. And I went this year and, and things went really well. And it was just as great as Romy, as Romy said. And Romy was on the podium with me as well. So she placed second. So congratulations to her as well. And so Haley, it was interesting. So I was like set and ready to track you and the Ironman website, like the desktop version. So I like, I'm always just on my computer. I rarely like track races on an, an app. Like I don't, I don't do a lot of apps <laughs> on my phone if I can help it. And so I like pulled it up and I was like devastated for a second because I couldn't find like how to track the race. There was like no link. It acted like there was no race. And so I, I sent a tweet out like an SOS tweet. Right. And I actually Frankie Sinjara, that's her last name, I believe. And she came through in the clutch and she was like, you can still track it on the mobile app. So I figured out the mobile app situation for your race. And I am so glad I did because as I was like, pulling it up. It was saying how you were just pouring. I think it was like you poured on the faucet or you turned on the faucet or something like you poured it on like your lead in the <laughs> swim. And I was like, yeah, Haley's like pouring it on, like pour it, keep pouring <laughs> Haley, keep going. <laughs> um, so that was pretty cool. And then I also saw in the tracking how you surged to the front to be first out of the water and first off the bike. And if people haven't seen it, the photo that was posted of you exiting I believe T2 I was speechless so there's Haley Chura in her smash Haley HC outfit kit right and 
you freaking are like, literally you can see the speed in this photo and you're (laughs) holding your race belt. You have something else in your mouth. You like are trying, reaching for water or something like that. Like you're doing 18 million things at once. And I was like, holy shit. I have never had that much urgency in transition before. I now need to be like Haley in my transition. That that got me so fired up and so inspired because I was like, that's how you win. That's it. Like, I mean, not just the transitions obviously, but like people have to go look at that photo. Oh, my coach looked at that photo and he was, he, his comment was, he said he was blinded by my stomach. <laughs> it's so pale. My poor skin hadn't seen the light of day, but I was nervous about being hot. So I did run in a sports bra, but what I had in my mouth actually was the headband that you gave me for <gasps> Christmas. The green sparkly headband. It's the lucky so I headband. Did, I did. I won and it was great. I think, I, I don't know if I wore it properly, but it stayed in just like you said. Yeah, it was, well, it was a crazy race. Like it was it was a cold swim, but I mean, the swim started out at this, it's called the Chow Chow Hotel and it's spelled like L-L-A-O, but it's pronounced Chow. And it's one of the nicest hotels in the entire world. And it is like spectacularly beautiful. And apparently like President Obama stayed there, President Eisenhower, like, like all these presidents have stayed there. And then I didn't stay there. I stayed at a slightly less ritzy, (laughs) but that's still very nice place to stay. And, um, and so you're swimming like it, that this hotel in this lake and it was so beautiful. And they did, they did change the swim course a little bit. They made it two loops, which it was fine. You know, it was a little bit different, but luckily like they, and they held off the age groupers. So we got our own like, you know, clean star and everything. And the water was pretty cold, but I was actually pretty warm. <laughs> so other people were cold, but I was, I guess it's just like after Indian Wells, um, I did get in and warm up and it was, I think it, I think it felt warmer than Indian Wells or about the same as Indian Wells. So probably around 58 degrees. So I didn't think it was that crazy cold. I mean, by the second loop, I was warm and I was warm on the bike and I was very warm on the run. <laughs> so, uh, hence the two piece race kit, but yeah, it was, I mean, the first 20 K of the bike were very technical and that was I was nervous a little bit because I haven't ridden outside since Indian Wells since December, but it was so spectacularly beautiful. And I did probably pace it pretty well. I think that's why I kind of poured it on (laughs) at the end of the bike. My pacing was pretty good. Like I, I just didn't go too crazy in the Hills in the beginning and it was pretty windy and I ride a lot in the wind. And so I was kind of loving the wind at the end. Like we had a headwind coming back into transition and for some, you know, I've just had a lot of practice in that. And so that kind of favored me. And then, so we came in, it was like, I I ended up in fourth at one point on the bike and then came off the bike with a little bit of a lead about 30 seconds on Pamela Oliveira, who was fourth at the world championships last year. So, and she can run, you know, and I had Romy Palacio who I, you know, mentioned she's a great runner. Kelsey Withrow is a great runner. We had two rookie pros at the race, Katie Kime and Caroline Koval. So it was a cool, it was a cool women's field. And uh, yeah, I was just, I guess I was, I did have a lot of urgency. You went for <laughs> I it. To, you went I wanted, for it. I did. Yeah. I, went, I went for it, but I wanted to get to the finish because they had chocolate and beer at the finish and it was amazing. Not just like, oh, here's like an Andy's mint type of thing. They had these medals look insane. So did you eat yours or did you like keep it? Do you have it? Oh, I kept it. I brought okay. it back. I need a party. Like it's, it's like three kilograms of chocolate or something. I don't even know. It's like, it's massive. Hopefully people can go on Instagram and look at this these chocolate medals, but I brought it back. I'm like, I need to, I need more friends <laughs> so someone can help me eat this. Did you but, have to um, leave things in Bariloche to allow for the weight for the, your luggage to like allow oh, to fly home? Oh, okay. oh, I'm like, I made some money. I paid for the excess baggage fees. <laughs> I know they're like, what is in this bag? I'm like lots of chocolate, <laughs> but Bariloche, I didn't know this, but Bariloche is like very well known for chocolate. There are chocolate factories like everywhere, hmm. chocolate factories and breweries, like craft breweries. And they actually like, so this was another crazy thing. Like the brewery that sponsored the race, um, Manouche brewery, actually like the son of the owner who works at the brewery, like he raced, he went faster than me, he went like 428. He went really fast. And then another one of the servers, like they, they did the race. And then we went to that brewery later that night and they were working. <laughs> so, I mean, they were tough. Like they were, you know, and they looked all fresh and everything and we're like partying and they're working, but it was cool. Like it was, I can't say enough good things about the race. If anyone wants a destination race, like it's a special race. Like it was, I was nervous about the logistics with it being point to point. I was nervous about the travel because you have to, I had to change airports in Buenos Aires and I was like, Oh, a lot can go wrong, but everything was much 
easier than I expected. People are very nice. And I get that little like sense of satisfaction that like I did that by myself. I made it. So it kind of leaves me a little empowered just even without the race results. So it was, and it's, it was gorgeous. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Like, I mean, it's like, you think that those like the mountains and stuff, the scenery is fake because it's so beautiful. So put it on your list, Alyssa. I know. Yeah, I swear. Every time you come back from South America, it just moves like these races I have to do. So it's moving on up my list. I, I, I can promise that. And completely closed roads. So even though they had that technical section, like completely closed to cars, which is really, really nice. And that's kind of rare in our sport. But I have to ask you, because it was race week for you as well, you were on your quest to get your UTMB points for 2020. And I you were racing in California, right? And a 50 miler. I was thinking it was 50 K. I was like 50 miler. That's a little bit of a difference. How'd it go? Yeah. I would have been quite happy if it was just a 50 K. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling? Like you, I mean, you raced 110 K just two weeks ago. Yeah. So, so how, how was that? It was, that back- you know, when I do things like that, because I I've raced Ironmans a week apart in different countries and stuff. So in my head, I was like, okay, no bike involved. Like it's just running two weeks apart and like, yeah, I have to go to Spain for one and then go all the way to the other side of the country for the next one. But like I can do like, it'll be fine. And I think I just mentally am like, I had told myself I've done worse. So I just didn't even really let that like play in. I was like, of course it'll be fine. Like what other, there's no other option. It has to be fine. Cause I have to finish the race. Right. And actually I think I was just still a little off kilter with the time from Spain. So I think like the three hours to the West coast almost like felt more natural to me still, um, than anything else. So I was like, okay, whatever, I'll take it. And it was going to be a quick trip. Like I got in Thursday night and was leaving on Sunday. The race was Saturday. So I really just had it in my head that like I was getting in to do a job and like, that's what I was doing. I'm very lucky that I had some friends in the area who were helping me pull this off. I didn't scar Michelle or Emily too much from my long trail expedition. And they came out and were helping to crew and Emily was going to pace the last 20 miles with me. So that was going to be like an extra bonus for me too. And so I was really looking forward to that. And The only thing I wasn't looking forward to was I think the weather out there was worse than the weather in Virginia. No way. California has just been getting hammered, I think, by rain. And it's like faucet has been like the word that people have been using. And it's just like the trails are muddy. Like everything's just so wet. So it was actually a little bit nerve wracking because we were like how much of the course might need to change and things like that. And they did take out a section of trail and put us on roads instead for one little part because of the erosion of just the complete like wetness that has been out in California. But for the most part, the trails have held up really well. Like I thought it was all pretty good that way, but it fooled us a little bit because we started. And so it starts at Rodeo beach. If if people are familiar. So you're literally like on a beach, you have views of the golden gate bridge. Like it's just, it's gorgeous. And it's so green right now because of all the rain. So you just have these sweeping like mountains and it's just, it's a really, really cool place to run. I actually hadn't been on the trails out there before. So that was really cool. And it was like perfect running temperatures, like forties and dry to start. And so, but the weather looked pretty ominous on the radar. So I was prepared. I had my raincoat. Wait, wait. Okay. Wait, I have to ask about this raincoat because It looked like very fancy. And was it a Smash Fest Queen raincoat? So the races that I have, so like the race in Spain and then like UTMB, which I will hopefully do. And then some of the Rogaine events mandate a a fully waterproofed jacket with taped seams. So it's actually an ultimate direction jacket that we had screen printed. And however, I will say that maybe this was like a little bit of a wear testing situation. So smash fans like sit tight. You know, I think we did put it on social media. I thought maybe I saw a picture of you and I was like, I wonder if this is something new that's coming out. Oh, you were not so. the only one. So the wheels are turning and people are, are working on something. So you guys will have to see, but that, yeah. So that was kind of like a wear test for me. Just, I honestly, I had that jacket because I've expected to be in rain before and I've never really had to use it. And then on Saturday it came, I had to use it. Haley, we got through maybe two miles and then the rain started coming down and then the rain started coming down and then the rain really, really started coming down. And I, to this day had, didn't think I had ever actually used like a hood while I was running in the rain. And I've run in like really rainy conditions before, but I had to like pull the hood up and cinch it tight around my face so that just my eyes were coming like out and I could like, it was like foggy. It was super windy and it was just dumping rain. And 
that happened to be the portion of the course while I was like climbing up to, and it's not super high, but you know, like between 1500, 2000, a little bit more feet. And so like, you're at the highest point and the wind is just like whipping. Like at one point, my necklace is like going, going off of like, you know, it was just like blowing in the way I was like, Oh my gosh. So it got really, really cold because it was so wet. And I actually have never been that cold in a race before. And I got to the point where I was like, I'm really not comfortable. And I, I just don't, I mean, I've raced triathlons like in freezing, freezing weather. And I never really say I'm cold. And I was, I was frozen. And so my only thought was just like, if I'm this miserable, like other people who don't, who do get cold very easily must be like really miserable. So you just got to keep going. Cause like, who knows how the race is shaking out? Cause I knew I was running well, but I also had, you know, I wasn't quite sure. I thought I was in like the top five women, but I wasn't quite sure where things were because they, we actually started with a 50 K too. So I had no clue like who was running what race and but I was, I was running well. And so, I mean, in an ultra, honestly, all you can do is race your own race for the most part anyway, until it gets to a certain point. So I was, we were really lucky that like, I was probably around mile 20, 25 and we, I got out of the Dipsy trail, which is pretty famous trail to run. It was really cool. And you kind of break out of that and you have this view of Stinson beach and like the clouds parted, the sun was out and I was like, Oh, thank the Lord. And so we did get a little break in the weather and it, it stayed pretty cold and windy after that, but the sun did come out like bits and pieces of it a little bit and that helped a ton. And so as I warmed back up, I started feeling good again and I got to climb up Mount Tam, which was an experience, not a super easy climb. And then I met Emily at mile 30 and we purposefully hadn't caught up ahead of time for a few weeks so that we would have some things to chat about pacing strategies. I never even thought about that. Exactly. Yeah. You have to be prepared. And like Emily is obviously an expert pacer for me now after the long trail, but you know, as the runner, I had no issue being like, okay, I am not feeling very good. This is really hard. Like I need to just focus on running. Like I can't say a word to you right now, Emily, I'm going to be nonverbal for a while. And she's like, okay, that's fine. Do you want me to keep talking? And I was like, I don't care what you do. Just like, keep staying with me. (laughs) And she's like, okay, that's fine. And she knew that like, you know, 10 minutes later, literally it's like you, you know, turn a corner. And then I was like, totally happy again. And I got to see fellow pro Kelly O'Mara was out there. She lives in Sacramento. So she came out to some of the aid stations. It was fun to see her. And it was, it was just, you know, it was a good solid day. I ended up fourth, which was one spot out of the the money that they did have. But so that was a little disappointing, but honestly, I ran, I think I ran about an hour faster than I had thought I would run based on looking at like historical times. So I'm actually like thrilled with that and did you get your points yeah so you like I mean assuming everything they have to submit it to the board and has to get approved and blah 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 but like yes it should be hopefully seamless from here which is great and I've never raced well on like west coast trails because it's just different it's more like running it's like you know it's just like long long uphills but like but you're running them and it's not technical too much yeah And so this was the first race I've put together that I was like in the mix on that kind of condition. So I was, you know, super happy and it was a really well done race. You know, and again, like that area of our country is just so beautiful to run in. So super solid day. And then got some, got had a beer and some, a hot dog at the finish. And then we got some pizza later. So it was just really fun. Sleeping in the Newark airport was not as fun on my way okay, home. Okay. Cause I was going to ask you about that. Cause I saw that post where you were like, I need to fire my travel agent. And I was thinking the exact same thing at that moment, that I needed to fire my own travel agent, which is of course ourselves. Which, right. Cause I was like, I, we got home because that was the thing about Bariloche. Like this, the race started at 10 AM. I think we talked, I don't know if we talked about that, but like, and I was like, Oh, this is gonna be such a nice morning. And, but you can't even like get a cup of coffee in Bariloche before like 10 AM. Like it was like the like hotel restaurant, one of the male pros that was staying there, Andre Lopez, he was like, he actually like convinced them to like make some coffee early so we could get some coffee before the race. And it was just, I was like, Oh, but then the plus side is that everything is open pretty late. And so we were actually able to kind of get a couple, you know, group of the pros together and go celebrate with some Argentinian steak and beer. And I think there might've been some wine as well, because you are in Argentina. So, um, we celebrated a little bit, but the next morning when I had to wake up fairly early and pack my bike and get ready for my 11 a.m. flight, I was wanting to fire my, my travel agent as well. (laughs) Mine was just my own fault. Like, I mean, 
I always really assess the like travel times and plane layovers and stuff for my way out to make sure like I'm getting as best I can without having to pay, you know, a $10,000 ticket or something like that. But for the way home, it's like, okay, whatever's cheapest to get me home, like at around the time I want, I'll take. And this was like next level. I landed in, I left San Francisco at 6 PM, landed in Newark at 2 AM and then had a 5:30 AM flight out of Newark back to Chicago. And then I had two hours in Chicago and then I was going to have another two hour flight from Chicago to Charlottesville. So I was literally all over the country, but that three, so I've had like, I've that's like, terrible. I, awesome. I, but no, you do need to fire your travel agent. I'm just like complaining. Cause I had to get up early and pack my bike because I had been celebrating too hard. <laughs> I literally have never to this day. I don't think I've ever had to actually sleep on the floor of an airport because I've always caved. And even for like five hours, just got in a hotel room or something like that. And I, I couldn't do it for like two hours at the best. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And so I did, I set up a little, little bed on the floor and it was gross and disgusting and cold. And then, so I found this one, I found this one gate where there was no, so there were actually quite a few people trying to sleep in the airport. So I had to like stake out the spot that I wanted. That was like not near like other strangers. Right. And so I like stake it out. I'm like there. I finally, I put my sleep mask on. Right. I'm like all set to go to sleep. And then like 30 minutes later, the gate opened and like another oh. flight had arrived late. And oh. these, so these people just start pouring out. Literally they're like an arm's length away from me. Just like, and they're like, you know, tired cause they've been flying for Lord knows how long. And then this guy was like, he literally, he just, he has to have seen me there. And then he puts his backpack down and he's just digging for keys. And he calls his mom on speaker and he's like some Jersey guy, like mom, I lost my keys. Like, are they on my dresser? And she's like, Johnny, I'm lost seeing your keys. Like, I don't know where they are. I'm looking on your dresser. I'm looking on your desk. He's like, mom, I can't find my keys, mom. Like, how am I going to, and I'm like, oh my God, Johnny, just like get to another gate and figure this out because this is like sleep mask serious right now. I'm like okay. You win. you win. You win. You definitely had them. I can't believe you somehow had a longer, it sounds like you had longer travel than me <laughs> coming from South America. But you know what? Um, it always gives good podcast stories. So I do it. I do it for the, the pod. There you go. I mean, I do think people, I, the traveling can be fun. Even the, the team when you run into Johnny with his lost keys. I mean, it's an adventure. It's always an adventure. Even in, even in the New York airport, you don't have to go to Bariloche. Right. But Haley, congratulations again. We are all so, so proud of you. Super pumped. I hope you get some good sleep and recovery this week. I know that noon just came out with that new rest formula, which is kind of like a potassium magnesium blend with some other stuff that's supposed to really help you recover tart cherry juice yeah right so, or like tart cherry like that's yeah and so i'm excited to use that this is like the perfect time to start trying it out i think and all of our listeners can also try it out because code iron women gets you 30 percent off of noon products so we'll let you we'll keep you posted after we see how we recover using the noon rest formula but Haley, I, mean, I will add that traveling with noon is super easy and super fantastic. And it's great. And I think that helped me a lot with like, just overall, I mean, you talked about it before, but like just having those tablets that you can just throw into any water bottle is fantastic for traveling. And it helps when you're flying to Patagonia or to Newark, Chicago, <laughs> Marin, San Francisco, DC, Baltimore, Anywhere, <laughs> <wherever> really. <laughs> yeah. But no, that, yeah, use that code. 30% off is a fantastic deal. And so our interview for this week, we have the Kiwi triathlete, Hannah Wells. So Hannah did her first. Kiwi Kiwis from New Zealand, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So okay, she, she hails from New Zealand. She did her first pro race in 2017 and she has done Sunshine Coast a couple times and this year has really had a breakout as people might remember hearing the name from a couple months, a month ago now, I guess, um, challenge Wanaka. So she was the winner of challenge Wanaka, which is the half. And a month before that and her in the New Zealand port of Tararanga, they're all, they can all tell me exactly how that is pronounced. She won that as well. So she talks to us this week about changes she has made about her decision to go pro and then how that has like evolved and how she's made some changes in her training and all areas of her life really that have clearly been working for her. And she, 
She's actually Dr. Hannah Wells. I should have led with that too. So she talks to us a little bit about her PhD too. So you will hear from Hannah after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really bad sunburn? I sure have. My very first Kona, I'll never forget. It was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Zelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it, and it works great. I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelio's products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson, Lindsay Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone? Oh, that's right. And our very own Haley Chura. Well, Zelio's products are made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twixt Chamois Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products and the Body Lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 20% off. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Uh, Hi, how's it going? We're good. We're excited to have you here. And you are fresh off a few weeks from your race at Challenge Wanaka. And I have to admit that I was frequently refreshing the tracking as I was watching the women come off the bike and onto the run. And I could like feel the excitement just watching the splits appear on the tracking page because it looked like you were running right with Meredith Kessler for the better part of that first 15K of the run. Mm -hmm. And then by 19K, it seemed like you had made the pass. And so for people not familiar with the Wanaka course, much of that section of the run is actually on like this, they call it the outlet track, but it's basically Mm -hmm. a dirt and sandy kind of track all along the lake. And it's hidden from view from spectators it's like you go into that and then mm-hmm. you, everyone's kind of like waiting with bated breath to see what's happening when you come out of that so what was it like for you to be running with Meredith Kessler and was that the pace like your race plan had dictated or did you have to bend things a bit as the race was unfolding so first of all running alongside Meredith Kessler was absolutely incredible like I have followed Meredith since I started following triathlon. So to be up there at that point of the race and be running with her was like I had to take a moment when I was running along the outlet track there and there was no one else around except us and just like, wow, like this is so cool to be in this position. Was it the pace that I had planned to go out at? Kind of, uh, maybe a little bit faster than I had planned. Like I know that course and basically it pays to be quite conservative in the first part of that course because it is quite undulating and you don't realize how much it takes out of your legs. Um, So I plan to kind of build across the run. But when I came out of T2 and Meredith was like right there in front of me, I wasn't going to let her go away. Um, So my my plan changed and, and it was just to kind of stick with her. And I actually literally slotted right in behind her and just followed her pace and, and said to myself, don't let her go. <laughs> And then what was going through your head? So as you come out and you kind of see the crowds again, you know, people were probably pretty pumped up to see you guys coming out together and then hitting Gun Road, which is a hill that takes a few minutes, like probably more than three minutes Mm -hmm. to climb up. And then I heard she kind of started to pull away, but then you, you still kind of kept her in sight. So what is going on in your head? Like, what were you thinking at that point as you're watching her stretch that lead a little bit? And then what was it that switched for you, allowing you to make the final pass? So my plan originally was actually to try and push it up Gun Road and um, actually make the pass there. However, that was obviously her plan as well. And we both uh, gave it a good, like, nudge up that that hill. And she was just able uh, to put in a bit more of an effort then. And I actually struggled up Gun Road Hill, which, you know, wasn't great. Uh, I guess that was probably a low moment for me of the race, but like I'll never give up. <laughs> it's just who I am. I'm super ridiculously stubborn. So I, and you know, there's still plenty of course left after that. So I just tried to make sure that didn't get too far ahead of me and hope that, you know, I'd shove a gel down me and, and find a second wind and be able to branch back up to her. And so as we kind of came over the hill, I sort of just settled into my pace and realized she wasn't actually moving ahead of me after the hill you know she wasn't getting any further away and so I 
you know, tried to push a little harder and, and catch back up to her. And I managed to do that, which was really nice. And then I guess the momentum changed in my head, like mentally, I, I was sort of like, wow, you know, here I am again. And um, I was able to uh, continue on, I guess, and, and keep pushing and, and found that I had a little more leg speed on the downhill than Meredith. I had been doing a fair bit of speed work in my training prior to Challenge Monica, and I think that probably paid off. It just meant that I was able to, you know, really pump it down the, on the downhill section after, slight downhill section after Gun Road. And, and yeah paid off. <laughs> so Hannah, you're no stranger to the half distance course at Challenge Wanaka. You were fifth pro last year. And in, in 2016, I believe you actually won the age group race. So in the context of your history on that course, what was it like to win this year? Unreal, to be honest. Like if you had told me last year after I finished fifth, you know, I wasn't happy with my race last year. If you had told me that I was going to come back 12 months later and win it, I wouldn't have believed you because I was just, you know, I saw what the girls up front had done um, back in 2018 and I had a long way to go to be up there with them. But, uh, you know, I worked really hard over the last 12 months and I, yeah, just made so many improvements in all three disciplines. And so to be able to come to Challenge Wanaka and sort of showcase the improvements that I made in training and, and allow that to pay off and take the win was yeah really cool. And to do it at home in New Zealand is awesome. Yeah. And this wasn't your first win at home in New Zealand either, right? Cause you won just a month earlier, you won the Taronga half, which is on the North Island. If I'm correct, if my geography is correct there. And mm-hmm. that one, you know, had a great field too. You beat fellow Kiwi pros, Amelia Watkinson and Rebecca Clark. So can you tell us a little bit about that race and what it was like to get your first pro win? Um, yeah, so that that was definitely special. I actually live uh, in Tauranga, so it's very much a home race for me. You know, I was, just, I was staying at home before the race, which is nice and convenient. And so, of course, I knew so many people on the sidelines, um, which is really nice. And I guess, yeah, like, again, like I said, I had – had changed a lot in my training over the last 12 months and I'd made massive improvements. So it was really nice to just be able to have the opportunity to race and put that all into practice or not practice, put it all into a race situation. And um, I was familiar with the field, Amelia and Rebecca Clark, like I know them both and I know how strong they are. So to be able to have a good day and, and come out on top of them was really awesome. Yeah. As many athletes from New Zealand are, you're a multi-sport athlete. And so for our listeners, this context of multi-sport means a lot of different things to you guys, other than just swim, bike, and run necessarily. It can be paddle, mm-hmm. paddling, mountain biking, all sorts of other events that are in these adventure races and things like that. And you've been the third female at the infamous Coast to Coast race. You've ra- raced the Red Bull Defiance, and you have many Xterra triathlons under your belt as well. Do you mm-hmm. think that the skills from multi-sport racing are transferable to triathlon on the road? And is there a mental side of that multi-sport that's been an asset to you as you've raced more on the road? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, like it, it all crosses over and even kayaking and swimming crosses over. And I've learned so much from just giving so many different races ago. And, and just, I guess it's all transferable, all about just sniffing up and when things don't quite go right you just gotta do what you can and um, make the most of the situation and especially that that happens a lot in multi-sport being more off-road and it is such a long race to put together a perfect day is impossible pretty much you're always going to have something go wrong and the logistics behind it is like massive because there are so many legs to that race and so like I learned a lot doing coast to coast and I'm so glad that I did it. It was such a huge um, life experience and learning curve and just yeah, an amazing race. So I definitely think that having those sports behind me was all meant to be part of the journey to where I am today. And I think if I hadn't done them, I'd always be curious about um, what they're like. And so to get it out of my way and out of my system now means that I can um, focus on the half iron distance triathlon a bit more and um, not wonder, I guess. Yeah. 
So Hannah, just to give myself and our listeners a little bit of context, this coast to coast race, it's like run, bike, run, bike, kayak, bike across the South Island of New Zealand. I think about 240 kilometers or 150 miles for us Americans. So like, how does the logistics work for that? Cause I'm, I mean, do you have like three bikes? And Um, no, no, you have to have, you have to have a support crew and, and, um, basically you can't do the race without them. And so they transport your bike from the end of one leg to the start of the next and meet you at, at the transition point. And, um, yeah, they follow you across in a car from one side, um, from the West coast of the South Island to the East coast. So yeah, it's definitely, you can't do it without your support crew and, and it, yeah, you rely on them basically. And for some of us who struggle to balance swim, bike, and run, how do you train for these events that also include things like kayaking? And I think I read that Red Bull Defiance race. It includes you rappel off mountains and you're shooting clay pigeons. I mean, like what in the world are you going, are you like doing these things every single day or do you just wing it on race day? No. So when I, so 2016, end of 2016, start of 2017, I actually crossed over entirely to multi-sport and I stopped swimming. So that basically meant that I was bike running and kayaking instead of bike running and swimming. And so that actually wasn't too hard. I don't think I would ever be able to do swim, bike, run, kayak all at the same time. And plus, because I also work as well. And in terms of the abseiling and the clay bird shooting, I just totally winged those. Yeah, I hadn't done it before the race. <laughs> how'd, you, how'd you do? How was your shooting? <laughs> well, actually... So how it works is your partner has to go first or no, one of the, cause you do it in, in pairs. And so one person has to go first and if they hit the clay, then you're free to go. But if they miss, then the second person has to have a go. But my partner actually hit it first time. So thankfully I didn't have to have a go. So, cause I would have had no idea what I was doing. Um, and as sailing, it was pretty much, they just clipped you in and you just had to fall down the cliff without falling too fast. Yeah. Have you ever bungee jumped? Because I know I'm getting a little off topic here, but I feel like that's what everyone does when they go to New Zealand. So is I'm just picturing these like New Zealand athletes because New Zealand has some amazing athletes, for, you know, fairly small population. But are you guys all just like crazy and jumping off mountains and bridges all the time? I actually haven't done a bungee jump. So you go. Maybe I'm the only Kiwi who hasn't. But no, I haven't, haven't gone and done a bungee jump. I've gone and looked at it, but they're quite expensive. To just jump off a uh, off a bridge, <laughs> so that's but, true. Yeah. You need to find a way to get that integrated into a race for you somehow. Yeah. So it's just part of yeah. the entry. Yeah. Do you it like a- do you maintain any of that? Um, you talked a, a little bit about that, but like with trail running and stuff like that, do you mm-hmm. currently do some trail running and things within your current training as you're focusing more on seventy point three? Definitely, yeah. I do a lot of trail running, even from my house where I live, like I live in a city, but there's a lot of trails sort of through just like the bushy urban areas around where I live. And so I actually do probably almost or the majority of my running on trail anyway. And then in the weekends, we live not far from the Redwoods Forest in Rotorua, which is quite a famous uh, mountain bike park and trail running park. And so in the weekends, like we often go over there and um, do a bit of training around there because it's just absolutely beautiful in such a nice spot. So, um, we tried to make the most of that as well. Yeah. And Hannah, you alluded to kind of getting the multi-sport racing out of your system and then focusing on triathlon. So can you tell us a little bit about that decision to, to focus on triathlon and then to focus on going pro because you've alluded in your blog to it not being an easy decision for you, but you had a lot of support from your family. So can you tell us about that decision and then just kind of any advice you might have for other women who are in that position right now? Yeah, so I guess I really enjoyed multi-sport when I did it, but I was kind of like, where does it lead to? And so, you know, multi-sport is quite big in New Zealand, but overseas there's very limited number of races to go and do. And so it was quite hard to build a career around multi-sport. And so that's kind of where I gave the half iron distance racing a go and found that I really, really enjoyed it. And it's just, there's so many races to do so many places to go and travel to do them. That was, I guess the initial draw to do a half iron distance racing. And in terms of going pro, that was, that was definitely a tough decision. Like you never know how different 
it is to age group racing until you're in there and you always sort of wonder and and other pros had told me you know it's so different because you don't have the big pack in the swim you have to like really stick to the bunch and if you don't get in the bunch then you have to ride entirely on your own and so you're kind of like oh man like this sounds real hard and so I was a little bit reluctant to turn professional but I guess also at the end of the day I mean what do you have to lose if if you're winning your age group and you know you're pushing the top of the age group um, competitors then why not uh, mix it in with the best of the best and I mean that's where you're going to learn the most when you're in amongst you know the best athletes you can be uh, you can be around and so I guess that was why I decided to just give it a go because I mean, what do you have to lose especially when you're new you're, you're a new pro there's no pressure on you so you can just kind of go in um, under the radar and, and um, have a go and see where you end up yeah so I did that I think I turned professional was August 2017, so, yeah. And Hannah, you're now coached by Bevan McKinnon, and he hosts the Fitter Radio podcast, which is another great listen for triathletes. And Mm -hmm. I heard while I was listening to that, that in one of your first conversations with Bevan after hiring him as your coach, he (laughs) asked you straight away, are you getting your period? Mm -hmm. And your answer was actually that you weren't. And so it sounds like over time, Bevan and a team of people that you guys put together, including our friend of the podcast, Dr. Stacey Sims, helped you Mm -hmm. get to like a better kind of state of health and your period did ultimately return. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about like that journey for you, I guess, you know, and kind of were you surprised that he was even concerned and caring about that and making that such a priority? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wasn't expecting that question to pop up in our first meeting. It's not usually what your male coach asks you, (laughs) that's for sure. But it was also a big relief, I guess, because at the time when he had asked me, it had been six years since I had my period, which is a long time. That was actually even before I began triathlon. And of course, it was a concern because it's not normal. And so I had been to doctor's and asked about it in the past, but had been told not to worry about it too much. At the time, I was on the contraceptive pill, so they just kind of put it down to that. But still, I was, at one point, I went off that for 12 months and nothing happened. And so I knew something wasn't right. So when Bevan brought it up, it actually was quite a relief, I guess, that someone was actually going to try and help me to figure that out. And so, yes, we went to Stacey Sims, um, and we tried a few other things as well. Uh, I tried fertility acupuncture, which was something a bit different. Um, Is that like they put needles into like your uterus area? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. No, they put it all over. I don't don't understand it. I just went along. But they did put some there. I was like, this is so weird. You know, it's kind of like, well, you may as well try what you can. (laughs) I picture them also giving you like a fertility doll and you have to like sleep with this doll like near your bed or something. (laughs) Yeah, it was, oh, well, thought I'd may as well give it a shot. And we introduced a few other things. More recently, like, I've started doing a bit of, like, meditation. Not that I'm really a meditation-type person. Like, I definitely need that guided meditation-type um, thing, you know, like the apps and stuff that you can use. Um, and, yeah, and so I, I was, to be honest, I wasn't sure if it was going to work because I, like I said, I had gone off the pill for 12 months and nothing had happened. Um, in the past and then literally it must have been like four months after we started to make changes I got my period and so it was a lot quicker than what we had or especially what I had thought it would be and I was quite surprised how different I felt once everything was running as it should be um, like obviously over, around day one you'd feel like shit <laughs> to be honest yeah. but then outside of that you feel so much better uh, and I had a lot more energy and yeah it was definitely a big game changer for me and as well as that I think getting you know balancing your hormones again also meant that my body I, I lost a bit of weight as well which was a big surprise like I wasn't big before but I certainly wasn't super lean and I think 
as a result of getting my hormones in balance, my body was able to sort of let that go. It wasn't in a state of stress anymore. And so that was a nice surprise as well. And yeah, like it, it definitely has made huge a huge difference to me getting that sorted. So I'm really grateful that we addressed that first, yeah, before we started to go into anything else, yeah. Did it come down to some dietary changes? Like, is that what you mostly ended up changing with Stacy and, and through working with her? Yeah. 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 We did change. Like I, I was not eating badly. It was largely around the timing of, um, taking on the right fuel and enough protein around your training, fueling, you know, before key sessions that had any sort of intensity. I think a lot of the time, like I wasn't eating badly, but I did occasionally, I was a little bit lazy with fueling around my training. And then later I'd be like, man, I'm really, I'm really hungry now, but that's not really much use <laughs> um, at that point. You know, you need it while your body is working hard. So it was, yeah, it was a case of writing down what I was doing very specifically in terms of what I was having, how much and at what time. And then Stacy sort of tweaked that and um, gave me some advice. And so I took it away and made some changes. Yeah. What about injury? Did you have, in, you know, while you were six years out of period, did you have issues with injury then or have you ever, or, you know, was that ever a factor? Um, I've never had a stress fracture, but I have had other minor injuries in the past, um, like a lot of tendinopathies. And I guess over the last, yeah, since actually being coached by Bevan, I haven't had any injuries has been amazing whether that has anything to do with getting my period back I have no idea but it also could be just the change of coach and the programming making sure I, you know I wasn't overloading and um, I've also been including uh, strength sessions into my week every week which has been a good change I think that has made a big difference to injury for me so yeah I mean there's been so many changes since changing coach for me that and so many improvements and it's kind of hard to pinpoint what changes have resulted in what improvements um, because it was all done in a very short amount of time. But yeah, it's been good. Yep. And you said that when you started working with Bevan, I believe that was in fall of, or our fall, your spring of <laughs> yes. 2017. So we're talking like a September, October timeframe. He encouraged you to focus on, you know, a long-term approach to racing. And I believe you're, you're 28 years old now. So you yep. are like getting into your prime years, into your early thirties when, you know, women, we are seeing women have amazing, amazing results. So, you know, what did that conversation look like? How was that hard for you to like think, wait, no, I want to get faster right now. I don't want to be thinking about two or three years down the road. And mm. do you have any goals that you can share for us in the next few seasons? Cause it seems like, you know, long-term, but then within 12 months, you're winning all these races. So <laughs> maybe everyone's definition of long-term is, is a little bit different. <laughs> um yeah that w it was super hard to to take on board initially so uh when I turned pro I actually had quite my first pro race was Sunshine Coast 70.3 and that was in August so that, yeah that was my first pro race and I actually managed to podium in that race so I had all this motivation and I was like super eager to have like a really awesome New Zealand summer season and then changed coach to Bevan and he was sort of like, actually, we need to start from the bottom and build up, you know, start from the foundations and build a really strong foundation and look to the next season. And that was sort of like, ah, oh, you know, like, like I was really looking forward to trying to smash out our New Zealand summer and do well there and, and see if I can continue on getting some podiums. But he was 100% right. Like I was not in a great place overall health-wise, as we've just discussed. And realistically, I probably wasn't in a fitness to expect many podiums at that point. So he really slowed down my running for starters and just put me on really like zone one running for weeks on end. And that was leading right into our race season, which is not what you really want to be doing right before you're about to go race you know that's where you usually introduce speed and so yeah I guess I just had to quickly change my mentality and trust in the process trust in him and realize that it was for the better and I was willing to do that otherwise I wouldn't have gone to him <laughs> um, 
And it definitely paid off in the end. It's definitely worth making sure that you get the basics right before you, you know, start trying to push the speed sessions and, and take any shortcuts. There's no shortcuts in this sport. Um, if you try and do that, you just get injured. And I guess maybe that's what I had been doing in the past. Um, and that's why I had been getting niggly injuries. And now over the last 12 to, I don't know, 16 months, I haven't had any injuries. So I, to be fair though, I don't know what Bevan's view of it was, but I didn't expect to be winning races by January this year. <laughs> um, yeah, the improvements happened really quickly and it was super it's been a super rewarding last twelve months for me and just yeah, super encouraging and it's been awesome. I've just been really enjoying the training because the the improvements have been happen, happening in the training and so I had never I didn't I wasn't too worried about the races. I was just I've just been enjoying it anyway. But to get those two wins to start off 2019 with two wins has been incredible. Yeah. Um, in terms of my goals moving forward. So I have qualified for world champs, 70.3 world champs in Nice this year, um, coming in September, basically like I don't have any specific goals for that race. I just really want to turn up to that race in the best form that I can so that maybe I can try and be up there with some of the best girls in the world and, and just sort of learn from them. And then the following year, 70.3 World Champs is here in New Zealand. And so I would quite like to do well. Maybe I'll have more specific goals for that World Champs. But for my first one, I just want to go and, and really take in as much as I can and learn as much as I can. Yeah. And Hannah, so in your hemisphere, um, your off season though has basically just begun. So can you tell us about what this will look like for you? Will you pull out any of the multi-sport stuff and go for some paddles <laughs> or anything like that? And you mentioned that you are working. So we have introduced you as Dr. Hannah Wells. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that too. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I've had, since Wanaka, I have started a bit of, a bit of an off season. Uh, I am going to be throwing in a couple of random races. The first one is actually over your way in America. So I'm doing a running race. This is probably not the best thing to do in your off season, but it's a running race from Los Angeles to Las Vegas in a team. So it's about 500 kilometers. I'm not sure what that is in miles. It's a team relay. I'm doing it with five girls. There's two Kiwis and then three Aussies. And one person runs at a time and you just – like a tag team relay, you tag in and out and everyone else who's not running follows along in an RV and it's a continuous race, yeah, from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. So I'm doing that at the end of the month, which is not really ideal to throw in the mix when you're supposed to be taking it easy. So Bevan has been, yeah, having a bit of a, bit of a battle trying to get me ready for that, but also trying to slow me down. And I'll also, also probably jump in the Xterra race which is really close to home here in New Zealand, exterior New Zealand. Uh, my mountain biking skills are definitely not up to it, but I'll just jump in and have a bit of fun. Probably get absolutely blitzed on the downhill, but that's okay. And yeah, so that, but other than that, basically off season, you know, for about eight days after, eight, nine days after Challenge Wanaka, all I did was swim. I did no biking and running. Uh, and then since then, it's just been easy easy biking, easy running, and short sessions. I'll build the running over the next couple of weeks, hoping to get a little bit ready for that run in America. And, yeah, other than that, just working. I work four days a week uh, throughout the year uh, for Massey University. My position is a research fellow, so a pure research position, and I'm lucky enough to be actually be able to work from home, which makes training a lot easier. It means, you know, I don't have to travel, don't have to – yeah, spend time traveling so I have more time to fit in both training and work and yeah so just be concentrating a little more on work I guess over the next few weeks and then building a little bit of running and then hopefully in maybe I don't know six to eight weeks I'll start a bit more serious into my training and then look for a few races probably Asia around July August and then of course uh, world champs in September and what is it that you do research in? Because I'm sure somewhere one of our listeners, as niche as it might be, will be like interested in it. I know that it's always 
whenever you have, you have someone a- who does this, they like don't want to say exactly what it is, but you yeah. have a PhD in it. So we want to know <laughs> exactly what it is. Yeah, it's super niche, super niche. So whenever someone asks me, I'm always like, oh, gosh. But so I did my PhD in college and biomaterials. And basically, I was looking at the changes in the way collagen materials behave with various chemical and physical treatments. So for those people who aren't familiar with collagen, it's the main structural protein in all our connective tissues, so our skin and our tendon and our ligaments. Uh, but it has uh, So collagen materials uh, have a few applications, especially in the medical industry. So during my PhD, I worked quite closely with an American-based company actually called Integra Life Sciences, and they produce surgical materials that they use for various surgical procedures, but I was particularly working with one that they use for hernia repair and breast reconstruction. And so it's a natural type surgical, uh, like a mesh, I guess, as opposed to a synthetic one. And so there's supposed to, you know, there's a lot of benefits to using a natural based material over synthetic ones in terms of how the body accepts it and infection and so on. And so, yeah, so that's, that's what my PhD was largely in. Now I still do a few projects in the collagen area. I've been working on a project recently looking at artery heterographs, so making artery graphs. But I also have moved into other areas of research. I don't want to talk about it too much because I'll probably bore your listeners. But um, I actually feel like I'm understanding things so far, so you can go on. <laughs> it's good, though. Like it's, I really enjoy having the mental challenge as well as the physical challenge of training. So it's a nice balance. It's full, it's, it's full on. It's definitely busy. But um, last year I was actually working five days and I've dropped four days this year, which has been quite a nice change just to have that extra day during the week to focus on triathlon. So hopefully that will pay off too. And maybe in the future, maybe I'll go three, three days a week of work just while, you know, while I am young and racing competitively. Yeah, that's good. It's very interesting to hear about the, you know, you're very multifaceted and that's great. You just need to add bungee jumping to your resume. And then you, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. But, um, I do think it's interesting that you've done, you know, these multi-day adventure races and then your 70.3, which is very like speed focused, you know, in triathlon, do you think we could see you on an Ironman start line anytime soon? Or would it be after 2020, after, you know, we have 70.3 worlds in New Zealand, you know, I mean, Ironman. Okay. I'm going to say, sorry, I say Taupo, but apparently it's called Topa. Is my, yeah, Yeah. yeah, that's what just happened. Just really recently. (laughs) Does that get, you know, your wheels turning? I will definitely do an Ironman one day. I just, I'm not entirely sure when yet. I think I would really enjoy the Ironman distance, but at the same time, while I'm getting faster at the 70.3 distance, I don't want to step up to the Ironman just yet. I may as well keep trying to get faster. So maybe when I stop getting faster, I'll change. <laughs> I bet it happens before then. You seem like the kind of person you're like, oh man, this is going to, eventually it's going to be too short. You're just going to yeah. be like, oh my gosh. And then you'll be like, only Ironman's only one day. I used to do five day races. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, thank you so much, Hannah. It's been great to catch up with you. Enjoy your downtime and your build to Nice. We'll be excited to see you, uh, total line there in France in September. Awesome. Thank you guys very much for having me. Haley, do you know what our most popular Iron Women episode has been so far? I do, Alyssa, because you know I love the numbers, and it goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist Stacy Sims. You're right. And do you know what Stacy Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance athlete in mind. Noon Hydration products have clean quality ingredients and are also non-GMO project verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the Noon Sport in the grape flavor and our listeners can go to noonlife.com and shop with a 30% off code of IRONWOMEN to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know. That's noonlife.com with the code IRONWOMEN for 30% off. Well, thanks to Hannah for coming on and of course for sharing her story. I think, you know, Haley and I, we talk about it all the time, but periods aren't something that a lot of people 
talk about and want to like broadcast, but that is super important. I think information to be shared and knowledge that is out there. And we definitely thank Dr. Stacy Sims too, for the work that she's doing. And hopefully that is making some, some lives easier as we are sharing all of these making stories. Making Hannah's life faster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think Hannah is an up and coming star. And, and if anyone hasn't listened to that episode with Dr. Stacy Sims, she does talk about menstrual cycles and birth control and just eating habits and how all those can af- affect, you know, your racing. And that was uh, in the fall of 2017. It is like we mentioned in our, one of our advertisements, it's our most popular episode ever. So if you haven't listened, go listen because you're missing out. And, and she was also on the, at the outspoken summit. So if you uh, weren't at the summit, you can buy that audio at outspokensummit.com, which includes the uh, presentation by Dr. Stacey Sims. Okay, Haley. Well, rest up. I hope the jet lag isn't too bad this week and enjoy that chocolate metal. I want to see pictures all week of you just devouring it and enjoying yourself and your win. Congratulations. Deal. I will, uh, I will, I will send those pictures. And I also, uh, I hope your legs are getting a little bit of rest. Um, I saw, I was also going to add that I saw one of your posts that made me a little happy where you said that you were ready to start riding your bike again more. And we will see you on a triathlon start line soon, which is great news for all of us who have, who've missed you a bit, but, um, we will, uh, anxiously wait for your return to triathlon and, um, but congratulations to you as well. That was a heck of a two weeks. Thanks Haley. I'll talk to you next week. Bye Alyssa. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FTC Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen.